Good morning, friends. Today is Tuesday, the 1st of December, 2020. Our readings for this morning are Psalm 5, 6, 10, and 11, Isaiah 1, 21 through 31, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12, and the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, verses 9 through 18. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O oh God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy One is in our midst. Come, let us worship. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to God with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before God our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. The Holy One is in our midst. Come, let us worship. Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O God. Give heed to my sighing. Listen to the sound of my cry, my sovereign and my God, for to you I pray. O God, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil will not sojourn with you. The boastful will not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. God abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead me, O God, in your righteousness because of my enemies. 
make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouths, their hearts are destruction, their throats are open graves. They flatter with their tongues. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of their many transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, so that those who love your name may exalt in you. For you bless the righteous, O God. You cover them with favor as with a shield. Psalm 6 O God, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O God, for I am languishing. O God, heal me, for my bones are shaking with with terror. My soul also is struck with terror. While you, O God, how long? Turn, O God, save my life. Deliver me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who can give you praise? I'm weary with my mourning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. They grow weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For God has heard the sound of my weeping. God has heard my supplication. God accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and struck with terror. They shall turn back and in a moment be put to shame. Psalm 10. Why, O God, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked persecute the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of their heart. Those greedy for gain curse and renounce God. In the pride of their countenance, the wicked say, God will, God will not seek it out. And their thoughts are, there is no God. Their ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of their sight. As for their foes, they scoff at them. They think in their heart we shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, we shall not meet adversity. Their mouths are filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under their tongues are mischief and iniquity. They sit in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, they murder the innocent. Their eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. They lurk in secret like a lion in its covert. They lurk that they may seize the poor. They seize the poor and drag them off in their net. They stoop, they crouch, and the helpless fall by their might. They think in their heart God has forgotten. God has hidden their face. God will never see it. Rise up, O God. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. Why do the wicked renounce God and say in their hearts, you will not call us to account? But you do see, indeed you note trouble and grief, that you may take it into your hands. The helpless commit themselves to you. 
You have been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoers. Seek out their wickedness until you find none. God is sovereign forever and ever. Nations shall perish from God's land. O God, you will hear the desire of the meek. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice for the orphan and the oppressed so that those from earth may strike terror no more. Psalm 11. In God I take refuge. How can you say to me, flee like a bird to the mountains? For look, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? God is in God's holy temple. God's throne is in heaven. God's eyes behold. God's gaze examines humankind. God tests the righteous and the wicked. And God's soul hates the lover of violence. On the wicked, God will rain coals of fire and sulfur. A scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For God is righteous. God loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold God's face. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 21 through 31. How the faithful city has become a whore. She that was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your wine is mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not defend the orphans, and the widow's cause does not come before them. Therefore, says the sovereign, the ruler of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. Ah, I will pour out my wrath on my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you. I will smelt away your dross as with lye and will remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be destroyed together and those who forsake God shall be consumed. For you shall be ashamed of the oaks in which you delighted and you shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. The strong shall become like tinder and their work like a spark. They and their work shall burn together with no one to quench them. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle B, a song of pilgrimage. Before I ventured forth, even while I was very young, I sought wisdom openly in my prayer. In the forecourts of the temple I asked for her, and I will seek her to the end. From first blossom to early fruit, she has been the delight of my heart. 
My foot has kept firmly to the true path. Diligently from my youth have I pursued her. I inclined my ear a little and received her. I found for myself much wisdom and became adept in her. To the one who gives me wisdom will I give glory, for I have resolved to live according to her way. From the beginning I gained courage from her, therefore I will not be forsaken. In my inmost being I have been stirred to seek her, therefore have I gained a good possession. As my reward, the Almighty has given me the gift of language, and with it will I offer praise to God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. You yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you is not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully mistreated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in spite of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the message of the gospel. Even so we speak not to please mortals, but to please God who tests our hearts. As you know, and as God is our witness, we never came with words of flattery or with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek praise from mortals, whether from you or from others, that we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we, are, we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children. So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked day and night so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was toward you believers. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a parent with their children, urging and encouraging you and pleading with you that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into their own dominion and glory. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle N, A Song of God's Love Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was revealed among us, that God sent their only incarnate into the world so that we might live through Jesus Christ. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent their incarnate so that sins might be forgiven. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought also to love one another. For if we love one another, God abides in us, and God's love will be perfected in us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 18.
Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and leased it to tenants and went to another country for a long time. When the season came, the owner sent a slave to the tenants in order that they might give him his share of the produce of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Next, he sent another slave. That one also they beat and insulted and sent away empty-handed. And he sent still a third. This one also they wounded and threw out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw the son, they discussed it among themselves and said, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the vineyard, owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Heaven forbid. But he looked at them and said, What then does this text mean? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. I do have a few thoughts on the readings. Um, I'm also a little short on time and a little discombobulated. I hope that that doesn't become like the pervasive state because I feel like that's how I've been the last few times we've been together. So please forgive me, my friends. But in reading our Hebrew scripture today, our reading from on our reading from Isaiah, I was struck by what I think is an overarching correlation between idolization of the past and redemptive and the myth of redemptive violence or revenge. I think that when we, when we look back and we see the past as more perfect than it was, we see perfection as, as static and and then we become stagnant and the inclination is to want to be things to be like they were and this is a skewed and false view because things weren't perfect in the past um there is really no such thing as the good old days. There is joy and suffering in all times. And God's restoration is not a time machine that takes us back to the past. Rather, when God restores, God restores us forward in our evolution and it's not something that God can do against the free will that God has given us. We must be co-creators in this process, too. And God restores us, as it says elsewhere in Scripture, transformatively. Step by step, 
glory by glory. Ever closer to what God created us to be. And and that's why this is restoration, because God had an image, a design, a dream of us in God's mind, so to speak, before ever we were made. And God uses all things in our transformative process to bring us closer and closer to that ideal, which is the ideal of the culmination of what God made us to be achieved through our experience. Because when we give our experience to God, it becomes wholly transformative. So this whole idea about perfection being in the past and us being restored back to perfection is in and of itself a turning away from God because that's not the way we were designed. We were designed to move forward. So we must, if we are going to be within the will of God, be co-creators with God, we must learn from the past. We must reap those lessons like they are a holy harvest. But we must take them and move forward with them and allow ourselves to be transformed. And the reason that this ties to the myth of redemptive violence is because always this unnatural forcing or attempt to force backwards is enacted violently. We try to violently take back land that we believe belonged to us, but we never go far enough back to understand, if that makes sense. Whenever we attempt to force something That force is in and of itself violent because it is against the natural flow and rhythm of creation, which is to move forward. I hope that kind of makes sense. And I hope that the lesson is clear there um, today. And I think that that also is the lesson from our gospel reading today that, you know, greed and force never, never get anything good. Or I should say it's not the lesson, it's related to the lesson. Um, and I think it's very interesting and, and I'm not sure, I, I wish the Holy Spirit or I pray the Holy Spirit will help us suss it out that this parable describes very clearly the progression of violence until the murdering of the son. And all of it was done outside of the vineyard, just as Jesus was taken outside of Jerusalem and crucified. And I think there's something in that. We had a reading yesterday about how, 
it, it just touched on it, but, um, that paupers and infirm were often, I shouldn't say often, were sometimes murdered by the Romans to cleanse or purify the city. And so it's again, violence for a false ideal, violence for a false ideal of perfection. And really what that becomes is anything that that when we look at feels like looking in a mirror and seeing our own perfections, seeing our own fear, seeing our own infirmity. We have to face our own fears and infirmities with the help of God and be healed of them in order to see clearly, in order to evolve forward, in order to move forward as a community, if that kind of makes sense. So we can't keep pushing others out, right? God's dominion is holy community. And now I want to be careful about this because this doesn't mean that unsafe people should be allowed to put us in positions of danger or our families. So for example, if there's a pedophile in the church, that person should not be allowed into to have free reign in the community. They shouldn't be allowed into children's services, right? <laughs> um, there can and should be good boundaries in place. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm never talking about not having good boundaries. I am always talking about having open communities. That doesn't mean no safeguards to use a double negative. Sorry. And I, I know I, I digressed on that one. I think that as we are reminded of in the beginning of our reading from first Thessalonians, it all comes back to the source. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse three reads, for our appeal does not spring from deceit or impure motives or trickery. And so I think this is part of the digging deeper that we have to do with God. Where, where is it springing from? Is, is the violence, is the pushing out, is the forcing back, is the pining for the false ideal of the past. What is the source of this? Is the source fear or guilt or shame? If so, then those are things within ourselves or communities. Sometimes there's communal fear and shame, right? That must be with God's help and the help of those who God has anointed for these purposes must be healing. And I use the gerund specifically because healing is an ongoing process, like recovering, right? Um, because anything from God springs from love, not from these other things. So why is it that we are pushing someone else out? Why is it 
that we are obsessed with the past? Why is it that we are attempting to force against the forward evolutionary flow of creation? And if we get down to where that's springing from and it's not love, then it's not the way. And part of then the next stage of healing is to go even even further where because that's that's only a secondary. Right. Fear, shame, etc. Where's the root? And I think about it kind of like a. A poisoned root can grow into a well and stop it from giving fresh water, can stop even from water being drawn from the well when it becomes overgrown, you know. Um, and this unhealthy imbalance must then be addressed. So what is it? What is the root cause? And, and, and often I think we come to a wounding. There's been a wounding that happened, and then the second order effect is that we react to things that prick that wounding with fear or shame or anger. (laughs) Anger covers a lot of the other ones, right? And so when we get layer by layer into it, we can clear enough of that stuff out that our We have room for love, but we have to invite love in because it is true that nature abhors a vacuum. And that's true in our co-joined spiritual aspects as well. Something else will come in if there is nothing there. And so we must invite love in. We can't do all this hard work of healing and and clearing out ourselves and then not invite love in. That's the ultimate, we're doing all this so that love can be there. And by this, I mean capital L love, like agape love, like the love of God. And the love of God must so indwell us. And and it's the love of God. This is its essence that where we allow it in, it infuses everything, um, fills up all the cracks and spaces when we let it. And I know that's, that's no easy thing because the fear is right there that if, if everything comes from love, then we will be walked on. <laughs> then we will be taken advantage of. Then we will be disenfranchised, you know, and all of these things. But that's just the counter inspiration. So take faith as Christ took faith. Know that our souls are safe with God. Our immortal souls are safe in God's care. And that whatever the cost of living love in this world, it is less than the cost of damaging our immortal souls by doing any differently. May we be so brave. Amen. I apologize for that being somewhat rambling and disjointed today. I pray that the Holy Spirit will make something. (laughs) Amen. Let's affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, 
from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Let us pray as we have been the prayers from that Iona Abbey worship book. They begin on 12, page 12 of said book. Into your care, O God, we place those whom we love, those for whom we worry, those from whom in time or place or affection we are distant. Into your care, O God, we place what grieves us and what inspires us and fills us with hope. Into your care, O God, we give ourselves. God bless to us our bodies. God bless to us our souls. God bless to us our lives. God bless to us our belief. Let us share the prayer that Jesus taught us in our own language or preferred version. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your dominion come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us in the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. May the blessing of light be upon us, light without and light within. May the moon, sun, and stars shine on us and warm every heart till it glows like a great fire so that strangers and friends may come in and find welcome. May light shine out from our eyes like a candle set in a window. And may God bless us with goodness and loving kindness. Amen. Collect for this week, which is the collect for the first Sunday of Advent. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your incarnate Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility. That in the last day, when Christ shall come again in their glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through the one who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us use as we have been as our prayer for mission. The prayer attributed to St. Francis. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. 
For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now is the time to hold in the light any whom have been placed upon your heart by the Holy Spirit for prayer. The time for intercessions and thanksgiving. I pray, God, and thanks that we are built for evolution, for transformation, for moving forward. And I pray that we may all have the courage to, with your help, face whatever impedes our progress, to learn even the most difficult lessons from the past and carry them forward into the future not moving, but flowing with the rhythm of nature and all creation and our souls forward, glory to glory, with your hand, your blessing, and your care upon us. Amen. The Prayer of St. Chrysostom. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved incarnate that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen. <laughs>